morning crypto. Good morning, Warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from the top crypto research team in the world. I'm your host, Abs, and today I'm joined by, by two very special co-hosts, Mr. Johnny Crypto himself and Gonzo, also known as the Crypto Goliath. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing Ripple getting a massive win against the SEC and the effects that could have on an impending resolution. Also, XRP connections to the top 100 global banks. Billionaires continue to accumulate as hedge funds and public figures are continuing to promote the value of cryptocurrency. Also, Amazon, Microsoft, Google, and several other major tech companies open up the floodgates as major companies partner to accept crypto payments. Our show is now available on your favorite podcast platform, Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is now live Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern time at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So with that being said, I'd love to go to Johnny Crypto first. Good morning, Johnny. How you doing? Good morning, everybody. How are you today? My name is Johnny Crypto with K, and I'm wishing you all a great day. I'm doing good. I'm hanging in there. Coming off the weekend, it was busy, and uh, we got some really, really good, exciting news on Friday, so I can't wait to dive into it. But uh, I just want to say hello to uh, the, the Goliath himself, Gonzo. <laughs> with that being uh, said, Gonzo, we'll go right to you. What's up, man? How you guys doing? Good. Uh, funny story about the Goliath thing on our uh, morning Zoom call with the uh, with the Academy on Friday. Uh, shout out to Jalisa, her son. They call him Nugget. Um, yeah, he sent me a message saying that he loves my nickname. So uh, shout out to <laughs> Nugget. Right. So you're welcome. He loves the Goliath. He goes, "That's the Goliath." You see me on video is hilarious. That's <laughs> awesome. Shout out to Nugget. Shout out to Nugget. So the Goliath has shouted you out. And with that being said. Fear and greed index, we go. Extreme fear this morning, showing a 23 on the scale. I don't want to spend too much time on this because we always touch on the fear and greed index and not much has changed. So we'll hop right into the total market cap. We're showing $1.7 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin, a 42% dominance. We've got Bitcoin sitting just above 39K at 39,050. Ethereum at 2,500. XRP at 76 cents. Cardano at 79 cents. Solana at $80. And we got CRO at 38 cents this morning. So pretty standard. I wouldn't say we have any major changes. We've been sitting in that thirty-nine dollars to $40,000 range for a while now. Uh, if anyone has any comments, I'd love to hear it before we hop into our articles. What's the total market cap up there, uh, Abs? $1.7 trillion. Okay, yeah. So we're sitting kind of in that zone still. Yep. People accumulating. It looks like it's going sideways. Yeah, well, yes. I, think, I think we went down a little bit over the weekend because of all that FUD we got about the Europe thing about like the regulation with Bitcoin or proof of work. So I, I don't know if we're going to talk about that later, but uh, yeah. you know, it all, it was a, it was a big nothing after all, but I think that affected the market a little bit, you know? Yeah. I think a little bit of that, a little bit of Biden's executive order. It's kind of a combo has been kind of, you know, it's just everything question right? whenever there's questions in the air, people are going to worry. And I think that's what we're, we're just holding the fear zone for that reason. But you know, we know what's happening. The big boys are buying. Exactly. We see the big guys accumulating and we're going to talk about that later, but we've got several billionaires coming out and saying that they are, they're adopting Bitcoin for the long term because they really believe in this stuff, especially with the crashing dollar. But I'd love to give our, our viewers a little background on what we're going to cover next. So we're going to go into the Ripple lawsuit, but I think there's a few things people need to understand before we dive into our article. So the fair notice defense for Ripple, what is it? It's an angle Ripple's trying to play to say it was impossible for them to know whether or not their, their issued tokens were illegal back in 2012. Because the SEC was aware that they were going to issue these tokens and never contacted them or gave them any warning, which is why it's called the fair notice defense. This indicates that the SEC had not given Ripple any fair notice on a possible securities offering. And it's a fact that there was no notice given from the SEC prior to the offering. So I don't know if Johnny has any comments, but I'll, I'll toss it to Johnny while I pull up our first article. Yeah, so um, actually I'm going to share a screen here because I'd like some, I'd like a, if Dustin can put that up there. So so let me kind of set the stage here, what happened before we jump into this, right? So I like to use an analogy here of what's going on. So we got this nice little, oh, wait a minute, why can't I? We got this lawsuit, right? And so think of it like a boxing match. Sports is always a great analogy. So on the left side here, the woman in the pink, we got the big, bad SEC, right? And then on the right side over there, we got little old Ripple. So what happens is, so we're like in the very first round of this boxing match, right? 
And so, obviously, we all know the SEC came out in the first round. And they wanted to come out swinging. They wanted to throw the knockout punch. And they wanted to end this thing right now, right? They don't want this thing going in later rounds. Later rounds is bad news for the SEC, right? So, here's what happened. So, this Friday, the SEC, as they wound up to throw their big-ass swing at the at the um, at Ripple, we saw, thanks to uh, uh, Taurus, to Taurus, here's what happened, ready? That was it. Boom. Everybody see that? That's exactly <laughs> Boy, that was a big swing and a miss and a flop <laughs> by the SEC. Let's just keep playing it because that's beautiful. So the SEC thought they were all big, bad, smart, and came out, and that's what happened. They took a swing and a miss. And the beautiful thing now for Ripple is that now, as you said, Abs, Ripple actually gets to use the uh, Fair Notice Act, right, as a defense, which is really – what their main um, defense was always from from the beginning, right? Was hey, you didn't tell us that we were doing something wrong, and you've got to let us know so we have a chance to correct it, so we have a chance to to not do something if we're violating, right? Because the reality is there was not a lot of clarity. First of all, what uh, you know, what what kind of cryptos were securities back then? So they felt like I think they still do feel like at the end of the day that the SEC should have at least sent them a letter, give them a warning, tell us hey, we're doing something wrong. Stop and you know, uh, was it desist, right? But they didn't, they just sued them instead. And the funny thing is, we all know Hinman and other people were saying that Bitcoin and Ethereum weren't securities, and basically, Ripple did nothing different than what those two guys did. So, if you're Ripple and you're being told you're hearing on the radio or on the news, right, that what's what Ethereum's doing and what Bitcoin's doing is not a security, and you were never told by the SEC to stop and desist what you're doing, well, then hell, you're sitting there going, oh, we're just doing nothing different. So we're just going to do what those guys did because it's not a security. And then next thing you know, you get hit with a lawsuit a few years later. It's a bunch of bullshit, right? So, yeah, I think this fair defense is is this is a huge win for Ripple um, because at the end of the day, they now are going to be able to use that as their main defense. And I think they also have other, Jeremy Hogan was saying there's even a better defense they have than that. But if that one holds up, they won't even have to go that way. And the fact that the SEC wanted to knock that out and they couldn't, that actually screws the SEC in the long run. Because now, in, in court rulings, when you make a ruling like this, this becomes stare decisis, right? And I'm not an attorney, so I'm going to fuck this up. But the reality is, I know <laughs> when you make certain rulings, they then have precedence for other cases down the road, which it means already, according to Hogan, is they're going to now have to make sure they give fair notice to anybody that they try to come after in the future. So they really kind of screwed themselves going that route. Yeah. And so I'd love to share my screen really quick because I'm going to hop into this article. That was a great breakdown, Johnny. Ripple scores a major win as the court allows fair notice defense on XRP. The court has ruled against the SEC on its motion to strike Ripple's fair notice defense in a major win for Ripple. The order signed by the magistrate, Elisa, or I'll just call her Judge Torres, confirms that the defendant's Fourth Amendment defense is viable path for the SEC for a win against the SEC in the Ripple lawsuit. It's even more imperative that the sun sets on the SEC's regulation by enforcement approach. We covered this last week, and I thought it was really important. The SEC doesn't make the rules. They regulate the rules. And what they're doing right now is overstepping their reach, right? They're not, they're not in a position where they get to create these types of standards, but they're taking that initiative because no other agency has taken that directive. Gonzo, do you have any comments on what's taking place here? Um, yeah, uh, I saw some of the information that Jeremy Hogan and then the other attorney, John Deaton, put out. Uh, and um, it, it's a big decision, right? Because um, this is if this goes back to like last year, like we didn't know if Ripple was going to be able to use this as a defense, even though to us it seemed like common sense. You never know what's going to happen in, in in a court of law, right? And so, um, but it, like if you follow him, I read some of his posts and and, and some of the stuff. He he felt like it was going to be a, a foregone uh, foregone conclusion, like that. Judge, the judge was going to look at it and then she was going to um, allow it as a defense, right? Because that's just the process of how things work. Uh, like in criminal court, like if you get arrested and you go to court, um, they have a preliminary hearing to see if there's enough evidence. Usually those judges let it go forward, right? And it, uh, this is like a correlation to that. Yeah. Um, but it's still, I think it's still a, a big deal. I think the next big thing that we need to look at is the um, the Hinman emails and what was said about that. Cause that's really, really going to determine uh, what was said between ripple and the sec uh, as far as um, uh, you know, Ethereum, then that whole speech and whether it's a security or not. 
Yep. And there's a great quote here. It says the SEC spent much of the time claiming the speech was his personal opinion, referring to William Hinman. But the strategy backfired as the judge then considered the documents in preparation for the speech not to be protective by deliberative process privilege, meaning that a lot of the things that he said about Ethereum and Bitcoin also apply to XRP and Ripple for what they're doing. So it's only going to help Ripple's case because an SEC official was saying that these things are not a registered security. Johnny, you have any closing comments before I hop into the banking connections? Uh, no, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's just it's just it's 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 a good win for Ripple. Anybody who's sitting here with XRP and you know, it's got to be excited. The only thing I was a little disappointed about was we got a little rally in the XRP price uh, when the announcement came out that day, but it didn't hold very long. I think we got about a 10% boost and then we kind of lost a good chunk of it. So I was a little disappointed that we didn't see much of, of a stronger rally or more importantly, holding it. But, you know, may, maybe maybe it's just a matter of right now, people still kind of uncertainty plus Bitcoin's down. There's a lot of fear and FUD. I think all that maybe is piling into it right now. Um, but certainly at the end of the day, I think it's good news if you are a, a ripple holder. And more importantly, what's interesting is the judge has been very open-minded and very fair to ripple, not really taking the SEC side. And, you know, the other, the whole him and thing blowing up right in SEC's face. They're like, oh, for two right now. They're really in trouble here. You know what I mean? So yeah. oh, for three would be great. If I'm the SEC, I'd be settling. I don't know what the hell they're waiting for at this point. Like you lost twice now. What, what are you, what are you doing? Why do you even bother keeping this going? So. It's going to be very interesting Interesting to see if we start to hear a settlement soon. I thought we would have. If I, if I were them, I would. Yeah, and I had a friend call me when that when the price was moving on. I believe it was Friday or Saturday night, and it went above 80 cents. It got to 82, 83 cents, and I told him, I'm like, listen, within the next 24 hours, we'll regress. It's just how the price, XRP price chart works. We have these very, very short-term explosions, and you can look at it on a macro time frame or even a smaller time frame, and it's always big pump, long-term regression, big pump, long-term regression. So – Nothing's really changed on that front for me, but I wasn't, I wasn't totally surprised to see it dip back below 82 cents. Now, this is humongous. This is a list of the top 100 global banks and their connections to Ripple and XRP. This list is a little bit outdated because it's from 2019, but it's the most up-to-date thing on the internet right now as far as Ripple connections. As we scroll through here, we can see huge names. And something that sticks out to me is that in 2019, a lot of these American banks were not comfortable partnering with Ripple and using XRP at the time. And I think what's happening with Ripple and the SEC right now is a good indicator as of why. But we can see some massive names, whether it's Japan, Bank of America, I mean, Mitsubishi. These are some of the largest banks on the planet. And we know that China is going to be using a lot of this technology behind the scenes. But I just want to show our viewers some of the connections because we get a lot of questions about why are we going to experience this huge price appreciation in the first place? Well, all of these banks are signing documents and agreeing that this technology is inevitable behind the scenes on what's called white papers. So in the end, a lot of these banks are already beginning the adoption of that technology and they can't make it public information, but we just have to rely on what we can find. And this is something very important that we found. I'd love to go to Gonzo first. What are some of your thoughts? Yeah, it just goes to show like how vast uh, Ripple is. And I get it that Ripple is the messaging system, right? It's not uh, directly, uh, you know, until we get clarity in the market with the SEC. But it just makes me bullish, right? Bullish on Ripple and, and bullish on XRP. When you see all these relationships that they have, um, you know, that just, I think that's why we do get um, those small pumps of price appreciation when we get good news. And then because it's so um, severely um, uh, not pushed down, but uh, suppressed, suppressed. Yeah. It's so severely suppressed. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, we've talked about this before. That's why it's always like, it's so important for you to have your own investment thesis and your plan so that you know when it's a good time for you to dollar cost average in. Um, because you could just imagine with news like what we got on Friday and that price bump, imagine when we finally get resolution or we get that clarity that we've been looking for, what it's going to do, right? Exactly. So just to tell people exactly how many banks, it's 38 of the top 100 banks as of 2019 were either testing or using Ripple's technology and we're just going to assume that XRP had something to do with that because uh, XRapid is the main system that they have now. And we're going to go into an NFT platform they're building later. But a lot of this stuff is centered around XRP. So when you see a Ripple connection, you can make that. It's, it's safe to make that jump and say they're most likely using some of the technology that's on the XRP ledger. Johnny, um, some of your thoughts. Yeah. So, I mean, it's encouraging to see 
a, a good number of banks, you know, testing and trying out the Ripple software, as Gonzo said. What's kind of a little, I'd say, maybe worrisome for me is uh, there were some banks on that list that, you know, I wish we could pull the list back up. But there were some banks on that list that I, I would have liked to have seen testing the Ripple technology. Uh, JP Morgan, Chase, Goldman Sachs, you know, these are some of the big firms that drive our economy, that run the world. And I really, really would have liked to see them playing with this technology. And I'm kind of, part of me is wondering why aren't they playing it now? Is it because in the background they are and they don't want to show their cards? Um, or is JP it... Morgan's too busy buying MetaMask. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You're> a... <laughs> yeah. Who else knows what they're sneaking in the background there? And that's to me. So again, I would have liked to have seen them on the list. Maybe they are doing something, but I think it's a great list. We should continue to grow that list, keep an eye on it and see how it, how it transforms over time. But I think ripple has definitely, if you look at the list, they're very, um, uh, what's the word uh, hitched, you know, strong, got a good stake in the ground in, in uh, overseas. A lot of the European countries, you know, Japan, especially in Japan, they're like that. They're huge in Japan. Yeah. France, yeah. uh, Japan's a big market, right? They've really got a great stake there. The U.S., they're a little weak in there. So obviously, hopefully when this settlement comes out, when it's done or whatever happens, happens, let's then see if we see some activity picking up in the U.S. That would be a very great sign for Ripple. Yeah, and I do yeah. believe that one of the reasons that it, it they're not adopting this technology is not only because lack of regulation, but they can't adopt this stuff and then – expect regulators to come around like they did to ripple and sue them back for something that they did in 2017. And I'd like to remind you this list is from 2019. So it's a little bit outdated. So many of these bankings may have changed their mind, but when I look at what happened in 2017 with Bitcoin, specifically JP Morgan was telling us that this is a, this is for criminals. This is used for nefarious activity. And I'm not surprised that we're not seeing them adopt some of this ripple tech. Gonzo, I know you had a comment. I was just going to say, you know, we know that Ripple's making moves. Uh, I think last year um, they were making partnerships through a lot of the Asian countries. Um, and I, I was uh, listening to a podcast. And so I think this year will be where Ripple will start making those connections through the Middle East and Africa. Um, wow. And then and, and continue to build uh, in those Asian markets. Right. Yeah. Uh, and like you said, we're still waiting for clarity here at the U.S. But that's not stopping Ripple from doing what they do. Right. They're still out there building partnerships are still out there doing doing it. Exactly. Yeah. And th- that brings us perfectly into our next topic, which is the price chart here. We follow blockchain background on a daily basis. So shout out to him. And he's drawing a comparison to the Bitcoin price chart and what's happening with XRP right now. And he's gone on the record to say that he believes we will see a 10 to 13 dollar breakout whenever this SEC lawsuit is resolved and we get an alt season at the same time. All that liquidity is going to flood in and people are saying, well, that would mean we're at a $600 billion market cap. Where is all that money going to come from? And we draw those connections to the banks that we just showed up. All of these banks are ready to hop on and Ripple is selling on average 173 million XRP every month to banks. Now that can be also, me and Johnny had a conversation about this last night. It can also be used for crypto exchanges, but most of the people, most of their clients are banks. So that's where this liquidity is going to come from. And when we get the use case actually implemented, we need a massive market cap to handle that liquidity. So I want to give some some clarity on why he got these price targets. And touching this 4.236 is something that a lot of these other currencies have done. We've seen it with Ethereum. We've seen it with Bitcoin. And hyper-suppressed XRP is sitting here below a dollar somehow. So I'd love to kick it around the group. We can start with Johnny. What are some of your thoughts? You know, first of all, like you said, shout out to BC Backer. I love that guy. If you follow his stuff, he's been the only guy that's been incredibly super accurate with all his predictions. I actually got a list written on the wall here, and I crossed him off. And he's got – he nailed a couple of him. He nailed quite a few of them. And he's always been saying, you know, Ripple to somewhere around the 10 to $12 range – or sorry, XRP to the 10 to $12 range based on the 4.26 Fibonacci extension. So I think yeah. the whole world is waiting for that. And, and I think that the reality is if, if, when, if, and when the settlement comes, there's three catalysts that are going to come into play. Then I think with, with XRP is a, you're going to have the settlement news that'll drive it up. I think a certain amount and then B you're going to have the relisting news because then what's going to happen is the world is going to, you know, us going to, all these exchanges are going to start to relist. That's when the real volume comes in because now, People can a the exchanges will be purchasing it, so that's going to drive it up. And then you'll have people buying it up, and then maybe Grayscale. I think Grayscale had a Ripple or an XRP portfolio holding. And then when this happened, I believe they dumped it 
So don't be surprised. And, and don't quote me, but I'm almost certain that happened. And then, so don't be surprised if you see Grayscale adding XRP in. And then you saw what happened to Mana. Does anybody see? Anybody know what happened to Mana, the Central Land stock, when Grayscale <laughs> decided to open up a uh, a portfolio for that one? Yeah. Skyrocketed, right? Um, and then, obviously, the fourth catalyst, I should have said four. because And then the fourth one is Flare. You know, Flare ever happens, right? That'll also drive utility. So there's a, there's a bunch of, like, like I almost feel like XRP's coiled up just waiting to explode. All this energy is just coiled up here waiting to go, but they just need this freaking thing to end. So if it does, yeah, I think we see somewhere, you know, again, no prediction, not financial advice. I am not BC backer. I don't know shit, but I think that uh, <laughs> if we, um, if we, okay, so yeah, we got people in the comments saying that they didn't dump XRP. They just delisted it. So, so they might be sitting there holding it. Maybe when they relist it, money could flood back into it. But I think we see somewhere between a five, I mean, I, I Somewhere between a five and thirteen dollar range is where I think we're going to see, and I'm definitely going to be selling some. In fact, this is very important. This is what we teach at the academy. You should have an exit strategy. Make sure you have an exit strategy, folks, because when this thing starts to to take off, right, you want to be able to capitalize on some of that. And we know that everything doesn't go straight up and never come back down. In fact, it goes up and it comes right back down, especially XRP. So have your exit strategy in place. If you don't. Come check out the Academy. You can join it for free in the Discord. Um, check out the community. See if you like it. If you're ready to level up, you can actually come to my networks and join the actual Academy. As a paying customer, you get access to all of us. You get access to all the courses. You get access to Coach's exit strategy and his portfolio. And you get access to the tool we created that lets you make your exit strategy. And you can print out a cheat sheet and carry it around with you. So, you know, if you want to see what's going on. So, um, you know, and if you want to hold two, you can, there's nothing wrong with it, but at the egg, but here at the Academy, what we teach is when you look at euphoria, right? It goes up and down all the time. You can watch it go all the way up and watch it all the way come back down. If you want to hold and people do have long-term hold strategies. Personally, I do. We are holding uh, a portion of it. Right. And, and we hold those for quite some time. And so that's, that's part of what we do here, but you do want to have a certain bag or a certain portion that you have allocated to sell on the way up. So as it comes back down, you can buy back more. So hopefully, you know, that helps people understand why we, we have a not a hundred percent hold strategy, but maybe a 50 or a 75% hold strategy. Yes. Gons, did you have any comments? Uh, I think Johnny covered it all, man. <laughs> Very <laughs> thorough answer. Um, you know, blockchain backers definitely way smarter than me when it comes to TA. So um, uh, I found him because of you guys. So I, I have been following him. And so uh, I think he's pretty solid. Um, I think it will happen. Um, we're we're going to see those price um, those price points. Uh, but I think it comes down to really, like Johnny's saying, it comes down to your investment thesis and having a plan. you got to have a plan, right? So you should have these exit prices already set in your mind, written down or somewhere, so that when we get the price appreciation, you're not just staring at it or you don't let that greed kick in where all oh, let it get a little higher, let it get a little higher. And then you end up not selling anything. Um, and then you come down the backside, like coach is always talking about. And, and that's if you're, you plan to sell, right? If you don't plan to sell anything and you really don't care because you're looking at your investment thesis is you continue to buy long-term and you're looking at 2025, 2030, then, Hey, you're good. This is only if um, you plan to um, take, pull some profits or get your initial investment out so that you can reinvest that. Um, you, you got to have a plan. You got to have a plan. Yep. And I do think realistic price targets are essential when you're doing this kind of stuff. What I learned last April is that I, I made the mistake of not taking any profit. And I think a lot of retail is like, well, why would I take profit if in 2025, this thing's going to be 50 bucks, right? Well, between now and then it's going to go to 12 and pull back to two, and then it'll go to 27 and pull back to 12. And these are just fake numbers. But the, the whole point is that you don't want to see your portfolio go from doing a five X to right back to where you started after 12 months and you're sitting there with diamond hands saying, well, I could have just used that time to accumulate. And instead you've just been holding. So I've, I've learned from my, I've learned a valuable lesson and that took place in 2021, but this next price chart is a shorter time frame. I want to touch on this last thing where it says, if we take it in a shorter time frame of just 2021, we're due for a $6 to $7 breakout. So we're hyper suppressed. We've been talking about this for a long time. And whenever this lawsuit's resolved, that tension is going to be relieved. That's what we're anticipating. But no one really knows how far we're going to stretch. So I do think it's safe to say if we see this 6 to $7 range and we're not financial advisors, this is not financial advice, 
I, I would recommend, or at least what I am doing is going to be taking a small amount of profits at set price targets because I'm, I don't want to be caught holding the bag again. I don't want to be caught with zero cash and a trillion XRP because that's pretty much what my portfolio looks like right now. And it's looked that way for a while. So I'm waiting on this hyper suppression and I'll kick it to Johnny. A trillion XRP, crap, you only need a dollar and you'll be set for life. <laughs> you know, there's an interesting conversation going on in the chat here where people are talking about exit strategies are for losers and you're going to pay a bunch of taxes. So, you know, just to address some of that, um, first of all, I say this all the time. If you're paying taxes, guess what? You're making money. So I, I, I laugh when people are like, oh, if I sell, I'm going to pay taxes. Yeah, no shit. It don't matter whether you sell now or you sell later. You're, if you're making money, you're going to pay taxes. You just can't avoid that. So that's like the dumbest reason, in my opinion, as to why to not sell because I'm going to pay taxes. Yeah, hello? Yeah, go start a business so you have some deductions and you can offset your taxes. That's, that's what I would be doing um, or am doing, I should say. So no, don't ever use like, oh, I'm going to pay taxes, so I'm not going to sell. Silly reason not to sell. Um, and in terms of why, you know, I don't know why X Kryptonair is saying that um, exit strategy is for losers, but they, they actually, you know, I, you know, I think he's just America. making a joke because he's a bullish XRP holder saying, oh, they're <laughs> for losers, I'm here forever. But he's not <laughs> the only one. I've seen other people say that. And, and I think, Abs, you touched on exactly why you want to have an exit strategy. I can't tell you how many times until I came to the academy, I've watched my portfolio in stocks and crypto go all the way up. And all the way back down, just every time, because I never had an exit strategy. So you can do whatever you want, folks out there. But the reality is, if you have an exit strategy, what I found was when it went up, it came back down. And it was cool that I followed it because now I was able to reinvest at a lower price and double my bags, as Ab said. I don't have a trillion XRP like he does. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, it's a great strategy in a great way because that's exactly what the elites do. If you think the elites just buy and hold, then guess what, folks? I got a bridge for you in Brooklyn. I'm happy to sell it here. It's cheap, cheap. I give it a discount. You know, message me down below. Our links are below. You can reach me, and I'll sell you that bridge because the elites are not holding. They don't hold. As a matter of fact, they're smart. They know that when we get to the greed index, they sell, and they're selling on guess who? On us. They're dumping on us. So don't be a sucker. Be like an elite and play the game the way the game the way they play the game, and and they use exit strategies. And just because you're using an exit strategy doesn't mean you're offloading from a currency. Even just taking 3 or 5% is better than taking nothing. And having some cash on hand that you put into a stable coin and it's liquid and you're also earning, it's not the worst thing in the world. Gonzo, what are some of your thoughts? Oh, I was just going to say that, um, you know, I, I keep harping on this. You know, it's your investment thesis. It's whatever your plan is, right? And you got to make, and it's all about executing your plan. Uh, no one argues that, um you cannot fail when you're time and space over a long period of time and you're consistent that you're going to win in this market. No one argues that. But there, there are people, right, that um, have a limited amount of income or limited amount of money and they have to make that go as far as they can. And so for those people, that's what we talk about having an exit strategy. Also, for people that are very uh, emotional, right, and that are going to panic sell, if you're that kind of person, then maybe the best strategy for you is to either buy and just hold or have a straight up set um, exit plan so that you can follow it so that you don't make bad decisions if you're emotional or not. Yes. Um, yep. And as an XRP holder, I we have a great comment here. It says, it's from Ken. And it says, we're switching to a new financial system this year. Once XRP moves, it's not going to come down. I can relate to this comment so well because this was my philosophy when I started accumulating this asset was I have to accumulate as much as possible before the flip is switched. But guys... The, the reality is everything has a pullback. There's there's not one asset in the history of time that has just gone up and never had a pullback. So even if we see a massive pump where the adoption of the bank comes in, the lawsuits resolved, and it's best case scenario, we'll go to $27, we'll go to $60, but we're not just going to up, 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 up. There's just not a situation where we go up and don't come down, at least for the short term. And again, I'm one of the most bullish XRP investors out there. But you can't be emotional about stuff and you can't be attached to a narrative that at some point all of my money is going to quadruple thousand X. It's just it's never happened before. So I wouldn't bet on it happening now. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Abs. That is so well said. A, don't get emotionally attached. And most XRP holders are emotionally attached. I know because uh, I was one until I came to the academy. And when we teach the mindset and we teach the exit strategy and you start realizing like, OK, I don't have to sell all my bags. I might sell 25% and I'm going to hold 75. 
But within that 25, how am I going to break that up and sell it? What portions am I going to sell it at? And at what price am I going to sell it at? That's the kind of things the tool teaches you. That's the exit strategy coaches put in place that so you can see his strategy when you're in the academy. So it helps kind of get your mindset around how to kind of think about exiting on the way up. Because as Ab said, go. I challenge anybody here, anybody in the world to show me a chart that oh, the only thing the stock price does is ever go up and never come down. Show me that chart. Tesla. Show me Oh, then no, Bernie Williams. <laughs> even, even, Tesla, even the great Tesla came down, right? So at the end yep. of the day, you want to be selling on the way up. And, and listen, the world runs off of frequencies. It runs off of, of, of Fibonacci's. Look at the Fibonacci's. They almost work like freaking artwork. You can use that to help get some ideas around your, your exit strategy. So, uh, again, it's mindset. Don't get emotionally attached. Have a plan. Don't have to sell it all. Make some money on the way up. Buy some more on the way down. As it keeps going up and down, right, up and up and trending upward because we believe if XRP is the chosen one, yes, it will do that. It will go up, but not straight up. It's going to be a zigzag, right, up and down. You can play that along the way or you can hold it. It's totally fine. Um, we just have to wait and see. I do think that we, people should pick at least one price target. Even if you're the most bullish investor on the planet, pick a price target and say, I'm taking 5% of my portfolio at that price, even if it's $10, because you don't want to be caught in a situation where we go to 10 or $12 and all of us are cashing out. We're taking a decent amount of profits and it's the best time ever. And all of a sudden there's a price regression back to $2. And you're watching your $100,000 portfolio go to $20,000 for no reason. And so, Gonzo, I'd love to kick it to you and then I'll hop into our next topic. Um, yeah, like I said, I, you know, I won't even start looking. I think mine, I'm thinking 5 to $7, right? Yeah for XRP before I even start looking at it. But And, and if I don't hit those price targets, then, then I don't sell, right? Uh, and like I said, it's more about getting my initial investment out so that I could put that into another project because it's good to diversify too, right? You don't want to be like all in all about XRP um, because you want to be in some fundamental cryptocurrencies that have utility because we don't know, you know, like we would say this, we're not financial advisors, but we're not psychics either. You know, we don't know exactly which ones are going to hit, which ones are going to be here after we get clarity and regulation in the market. Um, so it's better to diversify and, and pick different ones, right? Different technologies that you agree with. And in the and at the end of the night, you have to be able to sleep well at night, right? So it's if you sleep well at night and that's your plan, then then you stick with it, you know? Exactly. Awesome. So we'll hop into our next topic here, which is another Ripple topic. And it'll be our last Ripple article of the day. But it says Ripple welcomes more than 4,000 artists into its new NFT platform. Rising blockchain company Ripple has announced the onboarding of around 4,000 singers, musicians, content creators, game designers, and other artists into its NFT platform with a creator fund worth $250 million. I mean, that's freaking massive. That caught my attention. Johnny, I know that you're very into NFTs. So before I read this next quote, what does this indicate to you? Is Ripple going to be a competitor to Ethereum? And how long until we all switch over? So, you know, when you look at what's exciting about this announcement here is that XRP or Ripple is really, uh, or I should say Ripple design, their main solution or real world solve was to be a cross-border payment solution, right? So that's what they're really trying to address. And the fact, and that's like, that's what they do, right? That's who they are. That's what they're solving. Now, this whole piece of getting into and creating uh, the ability to have an NFT market, kind of like think about OpenSea, right? To be able to do that. What does that tell you? I mean, obviously that's a huge, huge, tremendous value uh, that OpenSea is providing, right? They're in a big market that obviously... The fact that when Ripple can now add that utility to to their portfolio, just a it's going to grow the you know the, the demand for XRP, but more importantly, it's just big that they're expanding their um, growing out their company right in the building. They're out creating the additional use cases. Yeah, exactly. There's some use they're cases. growing out the ecosystem, and they're growing out you know, adding on adjacencies that make sense. Which there was no you know this kind of came up to me. It kind of came more out of the blue, but it's great news. For XRP holders, great news for Ripple holders. Don't forget, you can buy Ripple, the company. If you're an accredited investor, you can buy it at Link2 and other, other companies, uh, other areas like that. But this is just, this is wonderful. This is great news and exciting to see that Ripple is not going to be a one-trick pony. Yeah. Because at first, that's what they were, right? They were a one-trick pony. If they don't get cross-border payments, they're done. 
Now it's like, hell no, we're going to play in in the whole entire Web 3.0. So who knows where else they're going to grow beyond this. It's, to me, they'll be in DeFi. They're going to start to do everything, in my opinion. But, yeah, this is great news, and it shows you senior management strategy. They're thinking, you know, they're thinking beyond just cross-border payment. Yeah. They're totally yeah, – uh, what would you say? Oh, you're good to go. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, they're expanding the ecosystem, right? Um, this is exactly how, you know, we, we talk, I, I know they're told two totally different things, but we talk about Ethereum, they get the first market mover advantage, right? But this is how Ethereum was built out. So now um, Ripple gets to do that, or XRP gets to do that with the XRPL, right? I think in the article they mentioned XPunks, um, you guys all know we're all um, involved with um, the Board 8 XRP ledger, um, that community. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, especially with the NFT and NFT marketplaces, this is where a lot of the liquidity comes into the space. Um, and then with DeFi, and I think uh, Johnny mentioned earlier when we were talking about, or, or he mentioned Flare Network, right? Once that yep. comes all online and you start bringing DeFi, that really um, kind of builds that ecosystem. So you have all these different um, avenues um, to build it out. So it's super bullish. And I'd love to give a shout out to Jackie, another member of our team, because she was the one who brought this to my attention. Once XRP creates a platform where NFTs are able to be bought and sold for minimal transaction costs, no gas fees, who's going to use Ethereum anymore? Why would I build an Ethereum NFT so they can take $80 out of my pocket when I could go to XRP and pay 10 cents? There's just no rationalization there. Yeah. And are you talking about, is that Dragonut Jackie or Joyful Jackie <laughs> or Jackie of all trades? Because all the above. I love, I love how you guys were asking for names the other day. People were throwing about the Jackie of all trades. That's great. I love it. Yeah. So keep them Jackie names coming. Put them down in the, uh, in the comment section for jo Jackie of other names that you think would be great for her. Um, but yes, we, we love Jackie and we miss you, Jackie. As always. And to close this out, the next update will come in quarter two of this year. They're going to they're gonna have massive updates to the NFT use cases on the XRP ledger. And so we'll keep you guys updated on how that rolls out. But I'm really excited, and I think it's going to be a huge competitor to Ethereum as well as ADA. So our next article is big. There was a ton of FUD this weekend about the EU voting to ban cryptocurrencies. We saw last week they banned about 8,000 crypto ATMs and called those illegal. They said they could be used for money laundering. That's their go-to excuse for this stuff. It's either that or climate change. And with this narrative, we see both those combined. So crypto's EU bill heads on Monday to vote without proof of work ban turned out to be total FUD. The language that was taken out of banning, sorry, language that took aim at banning proof of work coins across the continent is notably absent. And the bill states that cryptocurrencies shall be subject to minimal environmental substantial standards. So people were worried about the crackdown on cryptocurrencies and their, their carbon effect, the impact. We're going green. Everyone knows this, but it's all total BS and we're not there yet. As I deep dive into this bill, it says that a lot of these things wouldn't even take place until 2025 if this bill was passed, but they removed that language so we can anticipate that date being moved out even further. I'd love to get some quick comments and we'll start with Gonzo. Yeah. Um, you know, coaches talk about this. Like this is the narrative that we're moving towards though, right? Um, the, the carbon narrative. And so uh, it just goes to show like you, you got, uh, we, we had some price um, uh, fluctuation over the weekend because of this because of this new story that got out. And in the end, this is the same thing that happened with, with our, uh, our bill, right. That they were trying to like slide things into. It, yeah. it seems it's, it's just that, that whole narrative um, trying to affect the market is what it seems like to me. Right. Uh, because all that cause is just a, a dip uh, in Bitcoin and, and, and people buying it up is really what they caused um, with all that FUD. Cause in the end uh, it ended up um, being taken out. Right. But we're, I think we're going to see this more and more. Right. You're going to because if you look, I've seen statistics before about Bitcoin and its carbon imprint. Um, you have like the aviation um, that field has. I mean, it was like the highest in the chart that I saw um, air conditioning, um, like just the regular financial system like Visa, MasterCard. Their imprint is so much um, higher than um, Bitcoin and mining or just proof of work itself. Um, but we're going to keep seeing this, right? We're going to keep seeing this narrative uh, that uh, proof of work is bad and that it uses up too much energy. Um, and so we're going to see this kind of probably back and forth. Uh, and I'm of, still, of I'm, still surprised, it, oh, no, I'm still surprised that, that people are getting scared by these same narratives they've been regurgitating since 2016, 2017. Like 
the easiest way to not get flooded out of the market is to understand what you own and the real utility of these assets, whether it's just Bitcoin as a store of value in a digital gold or a lot of these other use cases for on-demand liquidity, decentralized apps. This technology is not going anywhere, and I wouldn't expect any retail investors to think that would change. Even if the EU passed a bill, that's not a global thing. That means the EU would be getting left behind. And we always bring this up with the United States. If they don't regulate and allow institutions to buy into this stuff, we're going to be left behind by competitors like China, Japan, any countries in the Middle East. You saw what the UAE did this weekend as well. So I'd anticipate more changes and more adoptions going forward. And any FUD articles, I wouldn't allow any article that comes out now to sell your bags. Like there's there's no narrative that could roll around where I'd say it's over because worst case scenario, we use that time to accumulate and we wait for these next bull cycle to roll around, which would be in 2025, maybe even sooner. Johnny, I'm not sure if, yep, you're there. Go ahead. Yeah, so I don't know why my videos all messed up, but anyway, um, I just saw, you know, uh, hot off the presses four minutes ago on Twitter. EU Parliament committee votes against ban on proof of work cryptocurrency. Beautiful. So looks like it. Just so we're bringing you hot off the hot off the presses news here, folks. Um, <laughs> if this is correct, and I don't know if it is because it's Twitter, so let's not get too crazy. But if it, but if it did happen, and it would make sense because what we're about uh, what are we about five o'clock in Europe right now, so possible that they voted and it and they and they and they voted against it so that's a good thing good news i mean i think the fact that um you know you're right to some degree it's europe it's not here but it is good to see that the, you know europe is the most uh green friendly you know continent in the world right and the fact that if they're voting against it what does that tell you it tells you that at the end of the day um people see bitcoin is for real right and they don't want to stop that train and we got a great comment, Johnny. It says, manipulation, my friend. We are not scared. I love it, Santi. Um, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. You just made my morning. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So let's face it. You know, I remember I was I was reading an article or talking to somebody on Twitter, and they were saying that in the crypto market in 2013 and 2017, this was a whale talking. And he was saying we were able to move the markets the way we wanted to move it. And now he was saying in this bull market, he knows he wasn't able to move it the way he wanted to anymore. Because now the bigger boys are in it, right? Now you got the big institutions, Grayscale and, and BlackRock, and all those big boys are in it. And now they're going to manipulate. So every market is manipulated, which is why when we said earlier, have an exit plan, you want to have an exit plan because you want to capitalize on the manipulation, folks, because you're going to get played if you don't. They're good. I mean, people don't realize, but the stock market is a gambling casino there to take your money. That's all it is. It's there for you, for the, for Main Street to put all their money in so Wall Street can take it. If you haven't figured that out, just, just watch anything. You have to do the opposite of what you think. They put out FUD to scare you. I mean, just go watch uh, Kramer talked about when he ran a hedge fund. He put it on live. What he did, he it's just believable what they do. They create fake stories. He'd buy certain he'd buy he'd buy calls or puts on something just a few to scare people because he wanted to do just the opposite. But he had to steer people one direction so he could do another. And he said none of this stuff is illegal. He'd call his newspaper friends and create a fake story or lie and ask them to put a story out about a company that he was shorting. So they'd put the article out and it would scare everybody and he'd make ton of money. Guys, that's what happens. That so, is so scandalous, bro. Yeah. That is so scandalous. scandalous Gonzo. Yeah. But listen, yeah. guys, we're in the world of money. And people are figuring out how do you steal money from somebody else, right? And so how do you do it? Fear and greed is how you do it, through emotions. And so, you know, they know how to play the game. They know how the human emotion thinks. And it's very simple. If you get trained to know how to play the game, then you don't get taken. And that's what we teach you here at the Academy. That's what it's all about. While everybody's looking this way, we are looking that way. We're with the, we're looking where Elisa looking. We ain't looking that way no more. We figured it out, right? And that's the benefit of being here um, at the Academy is you aren't going to get played no more because not only are you going to have the guidance of coach and to get to see his, his exit strategy and to get to see his portfolio, but you have a whole community, all of us as well, where we're all bouncing ideas off of everybody. So what happens is when you're not in the academy, you're out there alone. You're doing this by yourself and you're getting feared and you're getting steered away this way and that way. And you're going to sell out. You're going to sell. You're going to lose if you aren't a, a strong conviction holder, right? Most XR people are, so they won't. But the reality is, in general, you're going to lose. But when you're in a community where you have the ability to bounce ideas off of people and talk to people, and I encourage you guys in the chat room to, who are in the academy to speak up, 
it's a different game because you feel this comfort. You have the ability to talk to other people, get ideas, and hey, what are you doing? What are you thinking? And then you're throwing ideas. I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And what happens? Instead of selling or buying and falling into the fear, you end up realizing like this is a great time to actually buy. Common sense comes in when you can see the game. So try to game so you won't get played. Let's show them our price chart, Johnny, and then we'll we'll kick it to Gonzo to get some opening comments. But we've got this 430-day either accumulation or distribution. This guy's a phenomenal chart guy. I can't pronounce his name, so I'm not going to make an attempt. But you can see it in the top right-hand corner if you guys like this. He's showing us the channel that we've been trading in for over a year now. We're above $30,000. And what's ironic is when was Elon Musk picking it up? When was Michael Saylor picking up Bitcoin? That $30,000 range. They're buying in July. They were buying in January. And this price chart's a great indicator that we could be in this long overdrawn process of accumulation. And what happens after accumulation? Breakout. So this is what I'm watching. I'm not necessarily saying we're, we're due for a breakout or anything like that, but it's it's something I'm keeping in my mind. And as I look at this chart, it makes me bullish. I mean, people talk about possibly forming a double top, but we broke all-time high in November. Now, if we had not broke all time the all-time high from April and November, I would agree. There's bearish sentiment. We're creating lower highs. But the fact that we created a higher high at the end of 2021 it's it's enough of a bullish indicator to keep me optimistic. Gonzo, I'd like to go to you. Yeah, you know, it's like a, a similar schematic that I've seen like Arcane Bear put up. I've seen a Wyckoff schematic that, that's very similar to that uh, where it talks about accumulation. But, um, you know, and you don't have to be like a big TA person. Uh, like we've talked about, like just follow where the money goes. And when you see people like those hedge funds and like people like Michael Saylor and they're accumulating Bitcoin, then that's how you know it's time to accumulate Bitcoin. Like e- even if you don't want to like join a um, an academy or community um, and you don't want to learn TA, you could simply just see what they're doing and then follow follow that. Uh, because like you say, just follow the money. Um, but yeah, it looks like we're just. If you look back on it, it looks like we're just ranging in during those in those two prices, right? And we're getting. Time will see, right? We always talk about saying, uh, take what the market gives you. So we'll keep watching it and to see if we hit that bottom uh, or we start moving up again. Totally. And that's perfect because we look at a, we look at a couple news articles this weekend and we see Kevin O'Leary shares his crypto investment strategy. 20% of his portfolio is now in crypto and blockchain. This is huge, guys. I mean, not only is he a public figure, but he's known for his ability to maneuver within financial markets. And the fact that he's saying 20% of all the assets he owns are now in the crypto space, it's just a huge bullish indicator. He said, the whole point is you don't know who's going to win. I have millions of dollars. 20% of my portfolio is now in cryptocurrencies and blockchain. That's a Kevin O'Leary quote, not a quote for myself, but hopefully I will be able to say that one day. In November of last year, he said that crypto accounted for 10% of his portfolio. His investments in cryptocurrency exceeded his gold investments for the first time ever in October of last year. We always talk about gold on this channel as well, but he's placing his bets. He's looking at individual projects and saying, listen, we don't know who's going to win, but we do know that there's these 50 currencies, these 32 currencies, as he indicates here, that have the potential to win. And it's not like there's going to be one currency that emerges from the market. There's enough money to go around where we can have winners. XLM, XLR, XRP, Algo, all these different currencies are going to have massive price appreciation. And he's hedging his bets on what will experience the most price appreciation. Before I go to Johnny here, I'd like to point out, he mentions he is holding Ethereum, Solano, Helium, and Avalanche. And I can only imagine he holds a bunch of the banker coins as well because of how financially literate he is. Johnny, love to hear from you. Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, <laughs> what do we say always here at the Academy? You guys know if you're in the Academy, right? We always say, do what the billionaires do, right? Don't do what they say, but do what they do. So watch what they're doing. Right. And look at him. So he's buying Solano. He's buying healing. He's buying avalanche. Right. This is what the billionaires do. They're billionaires for a reason, guys, because they have connections now. They know what the hell they're doing. They got inside information, all that kind of stuff. So you want to be following the billionaires. Nothing excites me more than when you see the billionaires doing uh, stuff that we're doing. Right. And it gives you a chance to just kind of ride along the coattails there. Now, they don't know always exactly which ones are going to win. Like he says, that's why they place multiple bets. It's like a horse race, right? You don't just bet on one racehorse. Most people bet on multiple racehorses because you don't know which one is going to win. But you want to have some money on a few racehorses that have a good opportunity to win. 
And that's what you're doing here in the crypto market. You want to understand the real world solves of these technologies. What do they do? What are they going to, are they really here? Are they shit coins or they have a real world solve? If they do, you place a few bets and most people do. What do he say? He has about 30 holdings or something like that. Yeah, he has 32 holdings. And it's, I see yeah. a comment here. It says, so he's keeping 80% yeah. of his portfolio in banks and stocks. Guys, just three years ago, he was 100% in banks and stocks, but he's also holding over 10% of his portfolio in gold. So he's got 20% in currencies and blockchain projects, which includes infrastructure like FTX, investing in actual exchanges. And then he also has gold, silver, and several other assets. So if I had to guess, I'd say about 65% of his portfolio is in banks and stocks right now. And the other 35% is in high-risk markets, quote-unquote high-risk markets like cryptocurrency and, and assets. Gonzo, did you have a comment? Yeah, he's a spokesman for FTX now, right? He yep. went from, like you said, uh, 100% not being in. He went to 10%, and then now he's at 20%. What, what I found very interesting about the article, not just the little inside tip that he mentioned, the ones that he um, that he owns, like why he mentioned those, right? Because the helium one, it, it's I know it's a it, it's one of those disruptive technologies, but it's not like a layer one, right? It it has to do with um, like cell coverage and stuff like that. So I thought that was interesting that he mentioned that. But later on in the article, it also mentions about how um, he met with U.S. senators and they discussed regulation. Yes. Right? Um, and so uh, that, that just goes to show when you have powerful people like this, Coach is always talking about these connections and how they know each other uh, and that there's nothing new under the sun, right? And so that he's throwing that out there, that he meets with U.S. senators that basically make law. Or, or, or regulation. Um, so um, I think yeah. it's a good thing for the, for the space. I think it's a good thing for us because obviously he's trying to make money um, and he's not going to do something that's going to hurt the space. So um, when we talk about, you know, follow the money, follow the billionaires, um, you can see what he's invested in. And so when I was studying, trying to learn more about just investing in general back in 2016, Mark Cuban had put out a video where he said he was allocating 10% of his portfolio into Bitcoin because it's high risk, high reward, totally speculative, but he thinks it's worth taking that risk. And who's the most, one of the most dominant crypto advocates in the market today? Well, number one would be Elon Musk, and number two would be Mark Cuban. And of course, Kevin O'Leary is friends with Mark Cuban. They've been working on the same show for quite a while now. But there's one quote I want to read before I get some closing comments. He says, he has been saying for quite some time that the price of Bitcoin will appreciate dramatically when institutions are able to invest in currency. He expects that would take place in two or three years Johnny Crypto's always been on top of this, talking about how the when the institutions come in, that's going to be the catalyst for the next bull market. So I know he was excited about this quote. What are some of your thoughts when you read that, Johnny? Yeah, I mean, you know, he literally just said exactly what um what we have been saying all along is that really to drive the market up, we need the institutions. Um, that's really the key. That's what's going to drive it. And as soon as we get clarity, institutions are now going to feel comfortable that they can get into it and that's going to drive, that's going to be what drives this market up, you know? And then in terms of inflation and how do we kind of hedge against that? <clears throat> you heard Sailor talk about it. It's really the only potential true hedge is something that's finite in matter. Right. And even gold, as much as we thought is, is not really finite because it continued to mine at 2% a year, which yep. means it's going down in value. So Bitcoin really is, and because it's only 21 million and there'll never be any more, and that's not the case with Ethereum <laughs> or any other ones, there is a true fact. What I find interesting is that he talked about having like a, a billion wallets before he felt it would be inflation um, proof or, or, or proof that it could be. But that's, that's the next article. That's the next article. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Well, <laughs> He's getting of himself it, again. <laughs> it came up while we were. So I wasn't sure if you wanted to hop into it because I know we have limited time. So that's why. Yeah. So I'll hop right into this. Hedge fund billionaire Anthony Scaramucci predicts that Bitcoin rally is inflation and more tensions cool down. Uh, he had some bold claims here saying that he thinks this war is going to be short-lived or a possible Afghanistan situation where it's not actually battles. It's more of an excuse for sanctions and other things like this. And he said that the sanctions are having a huge effect on Vladimir Putin. The West is basically dismantling the infrastructure and wealth around Vladimir Putin and his inner circle. But here's the most important part of the article, I think, is the last sentence where it says, Bitcoin rallying to 100,000 in the next 12 to 18 months is what he's predicting. And when it gets to a billion wallets, which I think is way more than necessary, we could have a conversation about whether or not it operates as a hedge against inflation. So that's what Johnny was referring to before. Yeah, sorry about that, guys. I was a little ahead there because uh, I know we're short on time. But so you got two things happening, right? You've got the great news of, you know, of, of clarity coming. So we get investors, uh, institutions coming in. That's really going to drive this market huge. 
And then we've got inflationary, you know, Bitcoin being maybe the new digital gold. We're seeing all the elites hopping into that app, so which gives it credibility. And uh, now the question, what I found fascinating was when you look into the mind of the billionaires, right? Scaramucci is saying you need a billion wallets. Now, I think we know, or you're about ready to show us, that we're nowhere near a billion wallets. Um, if you look at the charts of how many people own Bitcoin, I think we're, you know, if you want to hop into that chart real quick. Yeah, I wanted uh, to read this last quote really quick. Oh, yeah, it sure, says, Bitcoin ahead. is attracting investors due to its potential for growth. He predicts more than a billion wallets will hold Bitcoin by 2025. That quote rolls us right into our chart. Right now, we've got 81 million wallets worldwide, which, I mean, that's really not that much. But to say that from now until 2025, we're going to do about a 12x. I mean, that's a really bold claim. Gonzo, what are some of your thoughts? Is that possible? Um, I mean, I, I, you know what? Raul Paul always talks about this. It talks about exponentiality and how it's hard for us to wrap our brains around it. Yeah. Um, so is it possible? Yeah, I think it's possible. Especially like if you follow anything that Raul Paul does and he talks about um, uh, basically how quickly the internet was adopted and how much faster cryptocurrency is being adopted. Now, he's always talking about total cryptocurrency, not just Bitcoin. But um, yeah, I think it, I, I think it's possible. But I think you're also right. I don't, I don't think that we need um, the billion wallets. I think we can get less than those wallets and still get the price appreciation that he's talking about. Yeah, and billion wallets. Ever- billion wallets seems crazy. I'm not even sure it's a billion people. You know, I wonder how many people are actually investing in the stock market. Right? That's that seems like a lot. Yeah. I mean, that seems like a big number. I mean, if we got a hundred million or two hundred million. People, where are we at? About 80 right now. That That's pretty impressive. Although you see us going sideways, so we're probably going to flatten out for a while. Here's what's fascinating, the- too, is that I have three Bitcoin wallets. Johnny has multiple Bitcoin wallets. So there's 81 million wallets here, but there's not 81 million players in the space. So continue, Johnny. Sorry for cutting you off. Yeah. So at the end of the day, I think that that's that's the thing. I think it, you know it's going to kind of go sideways from here, but that's a good chunk of people uh, or wallets that's creating some stability around this thing. And it's only going to get bigger. So... Um, no, I think Bitcoin is here to stay. The EU not voting against it is another check mark to say, hey, it's probably here to stay. Um, and I think it's going to be the elite's way to uh, hold digital gold because they don't want to hold real gold. As, as Sailor pointed out, it's too hard to travel with. Who the hell wants to travel with a bar of gold in their pocket, right? I mean, <laughs> it's, it's too, it's too, it's too, it's not, it's not reasonable to travel with it. But with Bitcoin, you can literally travel with millions of dollars all right here in your head because all you have to remember is your seed phrase. So, totally. Gonzo, did you have any closing comments? Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, it's, it's it, there was a couple of things. You know, we always say that Bitcoin is a hedge against inflation. Uh, I, I like better to say it's a hedge against the government doing stupid shit, right? <laughs> Whatever that yeah. is. Exactly. It, that's, that's really what is it, a hedge uh, yeah. against you know yes and the other thing is like johnny talks about um you know your seed phrase it's it's only digital property it's buying digital property and being able to put it in your pocket and take it with you and that's very very powerful totally i love that gonzo that's a great closeout and if you guys are enjoying this comment this this content the only way you can get more of our content is in the 3t warrior academy where you get access to not only every member of our team but coach jv his portfolio and the structure he takes to have the correct mindset when navigating this market I want to send love and abundance to Coach JV. Um, We know he's not going to be joining us today, but he will be back later in the week. And guys, I'd love to give you a chance to shout out your Twitter accounts or whatever social media you'd like for people to follow you on. Johnny, why don't we start with you? Yeah, so uh, all the links are below under the video. So, hey, guys, please smash the like button. We've got 160 people watching and only 71 likes. So if you like the video, smash it so people can actually, the algorithm, they can actually see this Don't video. just hit it. Smash it. Smash it. Yeah, that button don't look broke. It's yeah. not broke. Come on, guys. Show me some yeah. power. Smash that goddamn thing. Yeah. Uh, it's below, Johnny Crypto, uh, at Johnny Crypto 00. Also, don't forget the Freedom Conference, guys. What's great about the Freedom Conference, we still have some availability and tickets. And here's the good news. You get access to all of us. We're all going to be there. There's going to be, you know, some special guest people that you're going to hear uh, com- uh, conversations from. And then there's going to be the, the three team uh, crypto team, this whole team panels. So you're going to be able to ask us any questions you want and get, you know, you know, information and things like that. So come out. It's only two days, April 22nd and 23rd in Arizona. Link for that is below as well. So come check it out. Smash the like button and uh, and come and come and shake some hands. Yes. And Gonzo, I know you don't have a public account, so I'm not sure if you want to plug anything here. If not, I'll close it out. No, nah, just like if, if you want to get hold of me, it's through the Academy. Yeah. Uh, and then, like I said, smash the like button because it helps with the algorithm. 
so that um, you know we can get the message out there and help more people. Beautiful. Yes. And I'd like yes. to say thank you to all of our viewers. You're following us on our journey. This show is going to continue to grow and evolve, and we want to bring you guys the most valuable possible. So tomorrow on the show, we'll have another member of our team, Andrew Cashflow, and hopefully Mario will be back. Very excited for some of the content we've got going forward. And with that being said, we'll close it out the same way we always do. Warriors, rise. Get your shit together, Get your shit baby. Together. Thank you for joining us today.